1: the dfs pregame show here on roto grinders i'm jordan cooper aka blender ed blender hd if you want to follow me there on twitter and this is the show that uh, you should know already that we we go over we review yesterday's slate just a bit try to learn from some sharp players what what they did yesterday and uh touch upon about today's slate of course it's early which means uh, we don't have uh, you know much projections in uh, you may not even know some starting pitchers uh, and uh, and and we'll we'll talk about the dfs strategy as i always do interacting with the youtube chat so if you're here live if you're not here live uh if you listen on the podcast you, there there's a podcast feed of this show so you can go to itunes go to your, wherever you get your podcasts and uh, search for the dfs pregame show roto grinders and subscribe there rate and review and uh but if you're here live on youtube I, I you're my priority i answer your questions so hit that thumbs up button hit the thummy thumbs i see you in the morning i see you jerome lewis daniel Hutchins, brandon mcneil card fan matt mears dave Spag, woo woo j train frederick duke andrew garcia doug Montgomery, kevin m uh, sal correo I, I hey, oh i see you see you all in the chat uh with me, the, the regulars, right? It's kind of like a romper room. I looked at look at the mirror, right? We got we got Devin. Devin's producing today. Eli Eli has a day off. He's he's off gallivanting somewhere. So I'll do something musically, right? He's clapping. He's going around clapping around town. So feel free to say hi to Devin in the chat, waking up early to help me here. Uh, but but yesterday. Yesterday I was close. Yes, I see, I see uh Frederick saying, Oh so close again last night. I got some steak knives, right? that's what I always say. Uh, most of these payout structures on, on, especially on Fandle, but on both sides uh, are like, are like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, right? You know, that, that, that speech Alec Baldwin gives in the beginning where it's like, he's having a competition, right. In the sales office. It's like first, first place is a Cadillac. Second place is a set of steak knives. Third place is you're fired. Right. So that's, that's kind of like the payout structures in, in DFS. So set a steak knives. So that's what on, on FanDuel yesterday I came in sixth and seventh. Uh, There's actually a duplicate lineup up first, because that was a 4-4 four, four of uh, Toronto and Toronto and uh, the Dodgers with Manaya. Because Toronto had, uh, Gritchick had a double don, and uh, Toronto scored enough points in general, and then you combine it with the Dodgers. So obviously, I mean, they scored 11 runs in the first inning against Carlos Martinez. So, so I had a bunch of the Dodgers yesterday yesterday my main teams, my main teams if I look at my notes uh, was uh, Colorado, Los Angeles the Dodgers, uh, the Rockies, the Dodgers, the A's and the Marlins as the ones that I was the most like over over the field. Uh, and you can see that in my lineups. I mean this was, this was both Manaya lineups, uh, Colorado one, two, three. With a Jazz Chisholm one-off and a, and a four-man, one, two, three, four-man Dodgers. Here's another one. Here's Miami three-man, Dodgers four-man, and one Soto one-off. And the Dodgers actually came in lower-owned uh, than I thought on, on, on FanDuel. The, the, the Rockies actually came in o- higher-owned than I thought. So I actually probably would have had less Colorado and more Dodgers had had I figured figured out. I guess Tapia was was 6.8%, right? But even sticking guys like McKinstry, right? He was 1.7% owned in a in a Dodger stack. So even that was fine. I had mostly Minaya and Bueller. I had a little bit of Montgomery and Valdez on FanDuel. But Minaya, I mean, he, he pitched nine. I mean, nine innings, eight, eight K's. Frambert did well. After the first inning, he pitched like 31 pitches in the first inning. And then he still goes like seven and strikes out nine. So that was fine. And the main reason I was playing the Marlins, and we'll, we'll get to this on, 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 on Fandle, on, on DraftKings. Uh, now, Manoa was not chalky on Fanduel because he was 10K, he was the highest priced pitcher for whatever reason. So the leverage you got on, Mano- on Manoa by playing the Marlins wasn't as great on Fanduel, but they were still low owned. I mean, if you take a look here, Aguirre was 3%. Chisum was 5%. Dickerson was 1.8%. Because even though Manoa was less owned, you know, he was, he ended up coming in at like maybe 12 to 15% owned, which I still think is a little high for his price on FanDuel. He was 10K. Uh, the, no, no one was going to play the Marlins. People were playing the, the, were playing Atlanta. On FanDuel, the Braves were the super chalk. And then uh, Minnesota. And then he got like Texas. And Colorado. I mean, Colorado was chalky enough. I mean, he was what they were chalkier than I thought they were gonna be. I, I thought they would be owned. I'm not saying that I thought they were gonna be three percent owned. I just didn't think Ryan McMahon and Crone, these guys would instead of being 18, I thought this would be 12. Instead of 13, I thought this would be nine or 10, like that. That's how that's how I viewed it. But on DraftKings, Manoa was the the highest owned pitcher. And you can see here ending had zero, Jay Butler had zero, at eighteen percent. Brickhead was under. There weren't that many people that I saw. I mean, the cult was a little over. Most sharp players were actually under on Manoa, and more so, and ha- more on Bueller, Manaya. If we take a look at other pictures, we see Framber, Framber, Montgomery, Montgomery, a little bit less so. But Framber, Framber was 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 one of the sharper plays as a SP two on DraftKings, uh, but Manoa. Dude, it's recency bias. Yes, he looked great his last start. But you know what his last start was? His first ever start, right? This is only his second start in the major leagues. And I know always facing the Marlins. So still a major league baseball team. And it was a decent Marlins lineup. We're not talking about the Marlins lineup from a month ago, right? Where you see half the team and you go, who the hell are they? When Magnus... Magnerius Sierra is batting, is leading, leading off, right? That type of team where Chad Wallach is batting sixth, right? This is a real team. I mean, they, they, uh, they Dickerson in the lineup. They had Garrett Cooper in the lineup. Duval was batting sixth. I mean, th- this wasn't, this was, I mean, they're not a good team, but wasn't as bad as they are. And for Manoa to be like 50% owned in his second career start at 8,200, which, if you extrapolated from his first start, 8,200 was probably underpriced if you take the sample size of one start. Me, I go against whatever the field thinks. Right? That's what I think. Hey, if the if the notion was that, oh, he, you can't play him because he only, only, only had one start and he would end up being 10% owned and you played him, okay, I get it. Sample size one, he's the highest owned player on the slate. So I could see on DraftKings, if I was playing GPPs on DraftKings, I would have had a lot of the Marlins because of the leverage. Just half the, half the field is dead, 4.7 points. He gave up what? Three home runs, four home runs. Left the bases loaded, right? Before getting out. He could have gotten less points. The The bullpen got out of that jam that he, that he left them. So people get too tied into like the, the fear of missing out. Well, what happens if Alec Manoa is, uh, you know, what happens if he really is a $10,000 pitcher and then we're getting him for 8,200. And what happens if he does put up 30 points? Well, he's he's 50% owned. What does that get you? It's more beneficial for, let the rest of the field think that he's, he's Cy Young in his second career start and then benefit if he fails. Or at least benefit, if, if, if Manoa puts up 18 points, it doesn't even kill you, right? He, he has to put up some type of ceiling in order to kill you at 50% ownership. I, th- I thought that was stupid. Now I didn't play GPPs on DraftKings. I played it on, on FanDuel last night, but that's, that's the number one thing I would have done. Like you did not have to play Manoa yesterday at that ownership. But then we take a look at the bats. Okay, so we still have Acuna, most popular batter. Okay, so let's see. The Braves were still the chalk on DraftKings, even though they they, they were cheaper on FanDuel than they were on DraftKings. So you got Acuna here, Albies, Riley. Then we got uh, some Twins, some Twins mixed in there, right? Cruz, Donaldson. We got some Rangers with the low. Gallo was 20%. Nationals are stuck in there somewhere. So, kind of that was kind of that was like the chalky type of things. And you could see as we as we see nearly every day, yellow, right? You take you take some of it. I all I do is I go I go into entries and I go like who came in towards the top with that or have 150 entries and I just let's see, let's see a bunch of them and you see what the, their exposures and their 150 entries. Most of these towards the top. When you see the batters, we'll take away the pitchers. See, mostly yellow, right? Yes, Ending had a ton of Trey Turner. It's a scarce position. Coach S had a ton of Willie Calhoun for some reason. I don't know. Well, he had a ton of the Rangers. He was way over on the Rangers. Low Gallo, Calhoun, Garcia. But you see, for the most part, it's a lot of yellow. A lot of under- like, take a look at Acuna. Like, most. Yeah, Brick. Neil Corfield. They had a bunch. But for the most part, under. Look, Trey Turner, Larry Oda had 1%. Yet, Ending had 48%. You could do that also. He had a bunch of the. Looks like his top team was was the Nationals. Then you scroll down. And once you get into this five, six, four, five, six range, then you see, start seeing green. This is the sweet spot. Look, Cody Bellinger, Dodgers, Dodgers. Yeah, Larry Oda didn't have much Dodgers, but a lot of people had Dodgers. Cody Bellinger uh, against Carlos Martinez. And Cody Bellinger was actually pretty what, affordable. Was he affordable on DraftKings? He was, he was cheaper on FanDuel. owned. But what was Betts? Where's Betts? Can't even find him. I can't even find him. Where's Betts? Betts was 4.8% owned. But you could see, outside of Larioto, Dodgers, Dodgers, over on the Dodgers. We have uh, Justin Turner. Right? 6% owned. I mean, look, here's, here's all the Dodger stats. They were under-owned on DraftKings. They were under-owned on FanDuel also. People, I mean, oh, Carlos Martinez, his last start, he did pretty well. He Oh, I, I don't know if we should attack Carlos Martinez. He's had a couple of good starts. But well, look at his underlying underlying metrics. They're horrible. And And... Any any decent projection model would tell you that. So you look at the you look at the box scores, you look at the game logs, you go, okay, maybe maybe shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be uh, attacking Carlos Martinez. And I go, no, same same thing. Why you don't look at one sample size of Alec Manoa and go, he's he's Cy young, and I got I got to jam him in all my lineups at eighty two hundred. Same thing. Let, let, let let's take a look at the Marlins on. DraftKings Chisholm was 1.79% on wow I, maybe I should have played on DraftKings last night at second base it's not like that's a that's a strong position Chisholm was what? let's see Dickerson 1% 1.12% for for let's get yeah, Corey Dickerson right we got Hazel aguiar 1.63% what are you people doing Aguiar, who else hit a home run? Marte hit a home run, right? 3% though, okay. Ending at a bunch of him, right? Alec Manoa, a, a kid making his second ever career start in the majors, okay? Playing in Buffalo. Remember, Toronto isn't playing in Toronto and they're not playing in Dunedin in Florida but they're playing in Buffalo, which is still a hitters, a minor league ballpark. That is a bandbox. Okay. So picture the same type of, it's, it's, it's similar to the Florida Florida stadium, just it's a little bit colder weather. So second start and it, Oh yeah, but it's the Marlins. It's like, well, these are still professional hitters. Aggie Dickerson, Starling Marte, jazz with It's not like the crap players. And people decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play 50% owned Manoa, and play none of 1% owned Marlins. And that's just leverage. That's just like leverage 101. Leverage 101. I would have made money on DraftKings if I played. I would have made more, probably. Now who knows? What one? What what was the entry that won? Well, the Dodgers. So I would have had the Dodgers. Probably I would have probably had the the Dodgers, but I probably wouldn't have had Jeffers as a one-off or something, right? I would have had the Dodgers. I would have had like Chisholm and Aguiar. And then like, just who knows? Who knows what my catcher would have been? Probably still had Bueller and Mania. Could that have gotten there? I don't know, right? Well, second note, Chisholm is second base eligible, right? So would you have been in the Muncie spot? I don't know. I don't know, I could dream. I could dream. Maybe I should have played more on draft. Maybe what I should have done is really thinking about it. If I knew that I was going to be attacking Manoa because people were getting too overconfident with his one game sample size, probably I should have played, knowing that he'd be owned on DraftKings and not as much on FanDuel, I should have played on DraftKings. I should have been building Marlins lineups, Even if I'm not playing 100 entries or whatever, I should have just, I'll build 10 Marlins entries and just throw them in large field on DraftKings. That's what I, pro- I probably should have done that. I should think of things like that, right? Because that's where the edge is going to be. If, if Manoa is going to be, I didn't think Manoa is going to be 50% owned. I, th- I mean, I still think he was going to be 35 or 40% owned on drafting. So you have to play two pitchers. I get it. But still, I got, I got my sets of steak knives, right? Just brutal payout structures. Brutal, right? Only a couple of points, Right. 750 and 500, right? First place would have been what? It was split twice. 25,000, 10,000, 5,000, 2,000, 1,000. Right. You barely make any money, right? 2109.50 is what I won. I put in like 800. So it's like, wow, barely two and a half X for coming in sixth and seventh amongst all my entries. That's why it's brutal. That's why you, you gotta you gotta aim for you gotta aim for these top spots. You gotta. You're not gonna survive on min caches. you not, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen, folks. It's not gonna happen. Let's take a look at the YouTube chat. Let's see. What have been people have been talking about? Let's see, going about. Uh, Kevin M asked, Why were you over on the Rockies? Because I thought they were under own comparison in comparison to their projection. Yes. Uh, uh, yesterday, projection. My projection had Colorado as the number one in ceiling, top ceiling, but be less owned than Minnesota and the Braves and the Rangers. Turns out that that wasn't true. They were they were they were less owned than the Braves, but that's about it, right? They were like the second or third highest owned team. I had them as like the fifth or sixth highest owned team. So I'll play more. That's it. Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Uh, Sal Correo. Any way you could show how to upload edited lineups after you already have 50 lineups entered? Well, just go and download your CSV and just, re- just cut and paste over it. There's nothing. There's nothing really to show. Use the CSV. You have you have your Excel file. You have your cut and paste the new lineups over. That's it. Just read. You don't have to edit individual cells. Just whatever lineups you spit out a lineup HQ or whatever. Just cut and paste them over them. That that's it. Let's see. Go through the YouTube chat. Do 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 do. But everyone's talking, isn't he? I don't even have to. I Do not Do I even have to do anything? Sean V. said, Bellinger hasn't done anything. Bellinger's been injured. Mookie has looked awful. Will Smith wasn't in lineup. I think that's part of the reason why the Dodgers were low-owned. Yeah, well, that's what you take advantage of. I don't care what, pe- what people have been doing the past week. What do I care? If Francisco Lindor is 2,800. I'm playing him. He's well, been horrible this year, but yeah, but he's a better player than a twenty eight hundred dollar player. I'm going to go by a long. I'm going to go by a large sample size, right? Until be proven otherwise. And proven otherwise that means like two or two seasons of him doing nothing. That's the whole point. Take advantage of recency bias by the field. Oh, he's had three good starts. Oh, that means he's that means he should be sixty three percent. That doesn't mean anything. Should he be sixty three? Like, is he better than than what he was in the past? Sure, maybe. Look at Madison Bumgartner. Didn't he have like a couple of starts where it's like, oh, he's back. And then, nope, he's not back. Right, just a couple, yeah, a couple of soft matchups. Right, I think he, fa- he faced like three high strikeout garbage teams. And then he had one good start against a good team. It's like, okay, is he back? And then we see that he's not. He's not, no, he's still crap. Right, still not the Madison Bumgarner from 2014 or whatever. But take advantage of that when people think that and go, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to, instead of caring about three, three game sample size. Oh, this guy's Patrick Wisdom, right? He's apparently he's God now on the Cubs, right? He's hitting home runs every day. Oh, I've got to play him now at 4,000. No, his prior isn't that good. So when people are playing him, you shouldn't. Let's see. Greg Bean says, uh, does it appear that anyone that FanDuel pricing for Coors players is different this year? The bump in price seems to be less than last year. and Some players are not bumped at all. It, to me, it's, it all seems random. Seems like on the first game of the series, both sites don't like they Oh, Oops, we forgot. That's what it seems like. And then the next day, they overcome. That, that's what it seems like. Because Texas was expensive yesterday. On FanDuel, like Dolas Garcia was the highest price player on the slate at 4500 So Texas was very expensive. Du, 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 du. Yeah, even Alex Santi is saying, how the hell forsaken way do you play a 60% owned dude making his second career start at AK? Well, that's exactly what I would say. J10, how impactful is Slate IQ when checking it during the last 30 minutes before lock? If you see a shift in ownership, do you stick with what you have or shift along with it? I shift along with it. But remember, Slate IQ is only for DraftKings. It's not for FanDuel. So like when I'm like FanDuel, I don't, I don't care about Slate IQ. I don't care about five-man stacks. I can't make five-man stacks on FanDuel. So for DraftKings, sure, yes. But yes, I want the I want the most up to date ownership. And there are many times, many, that I shift, that I'm, I'm setting my, my stack exposures and builds at like 6.15. I'm like, okay, if they're gonna be this owned, I'm gonna have this much and whatever. And then like I refresh at 6.30 and it's like, oh, and that happened yesterday with the Braves. RG had the Braves ownership on FanDuel uh, at like five o'clock, 5.30 at like 8% average. And they were coming in as like you know like the sixth most owned team on FanDuel, and they projected well. So I was like, if they're if they're going to be the sixth most owned team and they're going to be the third highest projected team, I'm gonna I'm gonna play more of them. And then once I saw when the ownership update came in, it's like six o'clock, up, oh, Braves are the highest owned team, right? Seventeen percent average ownership, right? So now I switch. Now, like I went from. The Braves being my like, like one of my highest, I was going to have more Braves lineups than my fair share to the complete opposite. Right. I went from having like 20% brave stacks to having 4% brave stacks just based on that. Right. If they, if the Braves are going to be the fifth highest owned team and the second highest projected team or whatever, yes, I'll play 20% Braves. Yeah. I'll take advantage of that. But if it's the opposite way, I go to 4%, I'll put six lineups, whatever. One-offs, and I cap the one-offs. You know, if Acuna is going to be 30% owned, I'm only going to have him in like 10% of my lineups, like that type of stuff. And if he goes off, whatever, then I lose. I still have some lineups that could win. Typically, those Acuna lineups would be like Marlins lineups, right? The more more owned, the higher owned one-offs are going to end up in contrarian stacks. But I'm, I'm I'm rarely gonna play you know chalk four, chalk three, chalk pitcher, and you know chalk one off on FanDuel, since I played primarily four three one on Vandal Daniel Hutching says my main mistake was forgetting I had a dinner date and not being around for a couple of late swaps. still managed to bag third in the two hundred and fifty dollars formats. Well, you have to pay attention to your date. If you had a dinner date, maybe you shouldn't have played. You could take a day off, go have a life. <laughs> maybe that was your mistake. Maybe that's why you're single. I don't know, I don't know. It could be a dinner date with your wife, I guess, or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whoever, right? A dinner date. If it was like a, a date, like you match, you're matching yourself up Tinder or whatever, just don't play. You could take a day off. That's fine. Take a night off. Dampier was talking about Michael Dampier about Fran Valdez. People were scared of Valdez because he, he was coming off an injury and he pitched 72 pitches the last the last game. You're like, okay, what are they gonna bump him up to? 90? 85, 90? Nope, nope, they just let him go. 102 pitches. That's what taking advantage of what people are overconfident in. That's all I do. I don't have I don't have confidence in anything. In anything. I don't. Oh, this guy's a good player. Who knows? Yes. Based on the metrics, yes, I guess. Yeah, they project one point better than other people. I, I get it. But how much do you really know? The field was overconfident that Framber Valdez at his price was uh, maybe he pitches 80, 80, 85 pitches, and his ownership was down because of that. Say for Montgomery, right? Jordan Montgomery, people look at him and go, oh, he's not going to go past 85 pitches, they had 90 pitches. The Yankees don't let him go. Yeah, but he was an efficient. Time, I mean, he was like at 42 pitches in like the fifth inning against the Rays. So people didn't want to play him. But who knows? Who knows what happens? So take and abra- brace that uncertainty. And if you play for Amber Valdez and he only pitches 78 pitches and comes out before he's even eligible for the win, then so be it. Then you're okay. Then the lineup doesn't get there. Whatever. You have to take some risks. uh let's see j10 says blender can you review slate iq briefly to go over please there's not much to go over i would have to find it because we don't have slate iq yet posted for today's slate let's take a look roto grinders this is how you could find stuff roto grinders slate iq what was yesterday's date june 2nd 2021 Let's see. Slate IQ. June 2nd. It's in here somewhere. Yeah, here we go. June 2nd. Right. Okay. Because there's no link. Like, unless you knew the URL, you wouldn't be able to get there. Because the, all the links on the site would point towards the third. But you could always find it on Google. Okay, so yesterday Slate IQ, like all it's showing you is like based on the simulation that uh, they run, Jamino and Eric for how many percentage of a time on DraftKings of four or five hitter stacks show up in the, the twenty five most similar slates. So this is you could get this in premium. I can't sort by this. Come on. I can. I could kind of sort by. Let's refresh it again. All all you're doing with this is the same thing. What teams are under and over-owned? Texas, a little bit over-owned. Atlanta, significantly over-owned. Atlanta, 6.5% chance of their stack being in the winning lineup the field is going to own them at 8.3%, negative leverage, right? Houston, negative, like Atlanta, Houston, Baltimore, the Rays, even though a 1% chance, the field is going to own them at 1.9%. But you can even see at the bottom, it's like St. Louis, the lowest owned, but also it it has even less likelihood, right? 0.7% chance to win, 0.8% 0.8% owned. So that's negative leverage. Positive leverage would be Washington, Colorado, Yankees, Oakland, Dodgers, Boston, I guess, down here. This is on DraftKings, though. Based on this simulation, based, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. It's not, it's not perfect. But that's it. It's the same concept. Does this team, do these players, does my lineup have more of a chance of winning than what they will be owned? That's that's all G, that's all game theory of GPP play in DFS. Doesn't mean you can't play Texas. Oh no, they have negative leverage, you can't play Texas. No, it could still be part of your lineup. You just know that with negative leverage, you can't, you're gonna have to find, you're gonna have to make that up. In the rest of your lineup. So if you're going to play Texas, you're probably not going to play Texas and Atlanta together. They're the two most owned teams and then negative leverage. Texas, Atlanta, plus Bueller and Minaya or whatever, or Manoa or whoever. Like that's probably not a good lineup. You don't have enough leverage. You, know, you play Colorado on, on DraftKings, it was expensive. You could do that. You could play Yankee. If you play a five-man Yankee stack, you could play a three-man Texas stack with that. Why not? There's still high probability. And you got enough leverage. You play Oakland. Do a 5-3 Oakland, Texas. You could do that. Or if you play like Texas, Houston, which is negative leverage, you're playing Framber Valdez in that lineup. Right? You're fading Alec Manoa. Right? That's all this tells you. But I mean, you could, you could do this by I You could do this by eye yourself. I mean, you could even see, like we have on, with premium, we go here, let's see, is this up yet? No. Let's take a look, let's see if we could find this. I don't, yeah, I don't think, I don't think this is archived. Let's see if this is, I don't think this is archived day to day, this is a grid. We could see, this is how you find stuff, you go just Google it. Yeah, it's a grid. There's an article on how to use it. Right, if you see here, I can't even, let's see. I can't even zoom in. But it'll show the similar type of information like the smash percentage of the team versus the ownership, the average ownership and the leverage based on that, based on the smash formula. So it's not a Let's simula- Remember, smash percentage is not a simulation. Slate IQ is a simulation. So there's two different ways. I'm still doing the same exact game theory concept. What teams, what players, what lineups have more of a chance of winning than what they will be owned? Not have the most chance of winning. Something has a 2% chance of winning, but only going to be 1% owned. You could go for that, even though there's another lineup, that 10% chance of winning, that's going to be 12% owned, right? That's negatively. Well, it's also going to win five times more often than your 2% chance lineup. So understand that, but you're looking for situations. You're looking for plus EV situations. That's the whole core of D- that's the whole core of GPP play in DFS. Well, why'd you play the Marlins on Fanduel yesterday? That seemed odd. Well, based on my projections, they had a higher chance of winning than, but then we were owned. Aguiar 3%, Chisholm at 5%, Dickerson at 1%. This should have been, like Aguiar should have been 6% owned. Chisholm should have been 8% owned. Dickerson should have been 4% owned based on their expectation of a ceiling, ceiling expectation. So they're under-owned. The Dodgers. Bellinger should have been like 14% owned. Betts should have been 12% owned. Turner should have been 11% owned. Muncie should have been 14% owned, but they were under that. So I'm going to play more of them because plus EV. Manaya probably should have been higher than 25% owned on FanDuel. Probably should have been 30 to 32%. Owned. There you go. That's it. And That's why I said the Rockies, on the other hand, ended up being more owned than I thought they would be. So now at these levels, I wouldn't have I, had I known these levels, I wouldn't have played as many Rockies lineups. I thought Ryan McMahon would be like half as owned as this. I thought he would end up being ten percent owned, and Cron would be eight percent owned. You know, and at these levels, it's like okay, they're not the Braves. The Braves were way over owned, but the the twins actually came in less owned than I thought, so had I known that, instead of playing like yesterday, I think I played on, on on Fanduel. I think I played maybe like twenty Rockies lineups, and six Twins lineups. I may have made that closer, like twelve and twelve or something. I would have lessened my Rockies exposure. But that's I'm I'm going based on the decision before I see the slate, right? I don't get to see these numbers until after everything locks. I am like, Colorado is going to be underowned and I was like nope they they weren't Colorado weren't underowned the Dodgers were actually more underowned than I thought they would be I thought they would be slightly underowned but not that underowned the Marlins I expected so that's the that's the core that's the core of DFS playing GPPs that, that's what I that's what I te- that's what I teach in the course it's the core the fundamental parts of game theory go to theoryofdfs.com Get my 15 hour audio DFS masterclass. I talk about this all the time. I mean, obviously if you watch the show every day, you're gonna get bits and pieces of everything that I say in this course. But if you want a one nice 15 hour seminar. So it's like, if you just came to a, you know kind of conference, me sitting there with a PowerPoint or whatever, pointing stuff out, that's what this is. You can listen anytime, it's structured education. Re-listen. There are plenty of people that have listened to it multiple times to reinforce concepts. It applies to any sports, so it's not just baseball. But that's all you're doing. Is this is, is this player, is this team, is this lineup higher or lower chance of succeeding versus what the field will be owning them at? That's it. Just like if you had a six-sided die are you going to bet on which number comes up? Well, I'm going to bet if they get better than six to one odds. All right? My payout is six to one. It doesn't matter what I do. All right? You have a one-six chance. Someone says I'll give you nine to one, then I'm I'm making those bets. Someone says I'm giving you four to one, then I say no. That's negative EV. Nine to one, positive EV. That's it. That's all. That's all you're doing. So I'm not. That's why when I say I don't predict outcomes, I'm not. I'm never predicting outcomes. Oh, how'd you know the Marlins were going to do well yesterday? I didn't. All I know is that they had a better chance of doing well than what the field expected them to. That's it. They had a low chance of doing it. The Marlins had a low chance of doing well. But not, not as low as what the field thought it was. That's it. So I'm going to have some Marlins lineups. That, why don't you simplify it down to that It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's really not that complicated. All the numbers are in the projection. So you you have all of that. And you go, what's inefficient. I showed in discord yesterday on the RG discord, which I'm a part of, if you're a premium member, you you get in, you can mention me, you could, I'll answer your questions or whatever. Uh, Click that link in the description, get $10 off your first month for Roto grinders premium. But I showed yesterday there was a combination on FanDuel of like, it was like Acuna. I could probably find it in Discord. I said, I I saw it. I did just to explain the concept. Acuna plus, let's see, where is this? Let me see. Yeah, okay. So I found yesterday, I pull it up in search on, on Discord, that on FanDuel, Acuna, Cruz, and Crone combined is 11K in salary, 89% owned, projected owned uh, in, in total, and has a total median projection of 45.74. Okay. Now, here's this three man combination. Gallo, Soto, and Freeman. Eleven point four K, so four hundred more expensive. But on FanDuel, the pricing soft. It's close enough. Projection of all three combined, forty-five point four six, a difference of 0.28. That's it, a quarter of a point or so. Their total ownership thirty percent. One three-man combination is like 90%. The other is 30%. And there's only difference of $400 in salary and 0.28 points in projection. So who you should be playing? You should be playing the second the second group. If that fits into your lineup, obviously. But that's the concept. That's, that's all it is. That's all it is. I get, mo- I get more benefit by playing the lower on the players that are marginally different. I get more benefit in playing the lineups, the lineups, the full lineups that are half his owned and project only one point lower than other lineups. Yes, Acuna is the best play, but not by a million points, by a point or two, right? In the total lineup. And we saw in that combination, not even. Based on the projection. So that's what you're doing. How do you play Soto, lefty, lefty? What? Well, why not? He still projects for something. Doesn't mean oh, lefty, lefty can't can't do well. Yeah, it gives him a little downgrade, but he still wants Soto. Why can't you play him? What's his projection? So everything that like that is already factored into the number that you're looking at. So if you look and you see Acuna is projected for 16 and Soto's projected for 14 and one st- third of the ownership, are you willing to sacrifice two points median, which is a walk, a walk, a run? Just that's it, a hit by pitch. To get a third of the ownership, well yeah, hell yeah, especially on Fanduel. On Fanduel you could build you could build lineups that are that are, that if you, if you build four, fours, let's say, for instance, you build four, fours and you built the chalkiest four, four, the, ch- the highest projected four, four you can. And that's, you know, let's say it's 200% owned total. I'm just making up a number. Within five points of that projection, just five points of that projection, you could find a lineup. That's a hundred. That's half, half his own. And you can find plenty of them. That's within five points of that lineup. What's five points on FanDuel? It's a hit, a RBI single. Over the scope of your whole lineup. So, not like an RBI single difference between one player versus one player. No, it's versus 10 players versus 10 players. The picture, everything. Five points. That's it. We're talking about a, stri- a strikeout. A strikeout in a run I mean like over the scope of your entire lineup yet people are gonna jam in thirty six percent owned Ronald Acuna they're gonna jam in you know thirty two percent owned Trey Turner because why not they're the best projector okay why why can't why can't you play different players a different combination of players that still gives you a high projected lineup DraftKings is a little bit more difficult because the t- pricing tends to be a little bit tighter, but you could do that there. Probably you have to give up more than five points, but when you gain, when you can gain a 50% ownership decrease and not give up that many points in projection, you should try to be playing as many of those lineups as possible. Let other people go down and stack the Braves. And the days that the chalk hits, yes, the scores are going to be high and you're not going to win. Okay. And move on to the next day. It'll fail more often than, than it'll succeed. And on the days where all the chalk hits where the one-off, the Nelson Cruz 42% one-off gets a double dong, and you only have him in like three of your lineups, and they, they end up not getting there, then you look, okay, then that's a bad day. Minus 80%. Okay, fine. But that's not going to happen every day. So I re... I, reiterate this over and over again that's why that's why i don't like doing picks that's why i do this show for strategy it's hard to get on grinders live or crunch time and say who do i like what do you mean who do i like Does, Who do you think is going to do well i don't know all i'm all i'm doing is putting together math problems that's all i'm doing oh this is what i think this is going to be on this is what they're projected at and there's an inefficiency there so i want to take advantage of it Well, are the other Marlins going to do well? I have no idea. All I know is that based on these numbers, they're going to do better than what they're they're owned by a little, by not that much, but by a little. But that little arbitrage there means let me get some Marlins into my lineups. And I also know on DraftKings that if I play Marlins, that, well, there's a negative correlation right there with the pitcher that's 49, 50% owned. Well, do you don't think Alec Manoa is going to do well? I don't know who's going to do anything. All I have are probabilities. That's what these numbers represent, probabilities. Can I build lineups that have a higher probability of doing well compared to what they're really on? That's it. Is that going to happen tonight? I have no idea. All I know is that I'm going to do it over and over and over. DFS doesn't end today. That's the the thing that I think when people say, well, what what happens if I... What happens if Chalk Nelson Cruz it's three home runs and I don't have them? Well, then you lose. Oh, well, I don't want to lose. It's like, well, it, does DFS go away today? Is this, is this the last day of DFS? Does DFS not exist tomorrow? Well, being that it exists tomorrow on the day after, and you get multiple slate, you can play the late slate, the early slate, and all day slate. You could there's tons of slates, tons of sports, tons of everything. So why don't you continue making those plus EV decisions day after day after day after day. And the results come. Which day the results come? Who knows? I don't. I didn't know I was going to make 10000 the other day and get a set of steak knives, right? Coming sixth and seventh yesterday on FanDuel. I've had like, now I've had like over like 10, top 10 finishes. The Highest being second, I mean, I'm not getting lucky enough at the top. But that easily could have been, you know, three wins, and I could be sitting here, you know, rolling the dough, right? Throwing, throwing dollar bills in the air. I can't control that. I don't know what day it's gonna happen. But if I trust the model and use game theory, like those, that, those, those inefficiencies will end up being realized. You'll realize your expected value. What day? It could happen three days in a row. Oh wow! Three days in a row, and then not happen for three months. Who knows? I'm not in control of that. Brett Booth asked, "How do you know in, in your example that Turner should be 14% owned?" Experience. I'm just. I'm just. I'm, I'm spitball. I'm no exact number. I'm not giving you exact number. Based on his projection, he's. The Dodgers, the Dodgers were underowned. The Dodgers should have been a little bit more owned. How much should Justin Turner specifically at third base? I don't know. Because third base tends to be more on yesterday's slate, a little bit scarce. So I, I bumped him up a little in my head. No exact number. I was just, I was, I was making up the numbers. As, as an example. When I see Mookie Betts at 9%, I go. Well, Mookie Betts, in comparison to the other higher price outfielders should have been closer to them. Shouldn't he have been the same as Acuna? No, of course not. Acuna should have been more owned. The bet shouldn't have been 9% owned. Eh, 12, 12 to 15. If he if he ended up coming in at 13% owned, I'd be like, okay, that's about what he should be owned based on projections. So no, there's there's no exact number. I'm just trying to explain the concept. Uh, Gavin Nokomovitz on FanDuel on a short slate, like three to five games, do you just eat the chalk pitcher if there's a significant gap? Or do you look elsewhere and try to form an upside with your bats? I don't do either. I try to build plus EV lineups. If they happen to have the chalk pitcher, and they have enough leverage, then so be it. And if it's not the chalk pit, then you have to stop thinking in terms of plays. I'm not. I don't play anyone. I build lineups. The reason why I didn't have that much Framber Valdez yesterday on Fanduel is because it was nearly impossible. He didn't project well. He projected decently, but there was no need to only have a seven K pitcher. Like, say, 7,500, I think, yesterday, on FanDuel. So, like, the only way for me to play Framber Valdez was, like, in my Rangers, like, these expensive combinations. And remember, I was playing less of the Braves. So I didn't want to, like, Framber Valdez could get with Acuna. Okay, with the Braves. So, basically, Braves-Rangers, Framber Valdez could fit into and still have a high enough projection that, that he still fits into my 150 set. But I but I purposely am playing less of the Braves. So now what 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 is it pairing it with? I just wasn't playing enough. I was playing a lot of Marlins who were cheap, right? So now it's, unless I say that I don't mind leaving 4,000 on the table, it's not going to give me, I'm not going to get much Valdez. So it's not, so that's what I'm saying. I'm not picking players. I'm building lineups. Is it more likely that if there's on a short slate and there's one pitcher that projects the eight points higher than another, the second highest pitcher, then I am going to play more of them? Probably. Not definitely. Most likely you're not going to be able to make up those eight points just in bats. So yes. Most likely I'm going to have a lot of that. It depends on how much they're owned. Like let's say that there's that big of a gap and and the guy's only going to be 45% owned. The highest owned, but probably he should be 80% owned. So I'll probably be over. But if it's the type of thing where he has that eight point advantage over any other pitcher and he's gonna be 80% owned, maybe I have less. Maybe I still I still have him in half my lineups. But maybe 80% is maybe the arbitrage there is maybe, maybe he should only be 74% owned. Maybe. All of my decisions based on what the field is going to do. You're still thinking in terms of what you're going to do. I don't think about what I'm going to do. I don't build lineups based on what I'm going to do. I base lineups on what other people are going to do. To me, the most important number in that I could find in lineup HQ is, is projected ownership. All the ownership stuff. All the, And I'll run lineups just to test it. Like, if you're using bat projections, I could aggregate projections from around the industry. So I'll aggregate all the projections, average them out, and then throw them into lineup HQ and just run 300 lineups with like a, some max cap settings. So I'm not getting like all of everything. And then go, oh, okay, based on the aggregate, like this team's going to be more, th- this team's going to be owned. This team's going to be less owned. This team's going to, and I look at the projected ownership and I go, yeah, this team's going to be a little higher owned. This team's going to be a little lower owned. And you can eyeball that sometimes. You don't even need to, you don't even have to run it. Just go around the industry and just go, well, what is the ownership here? What's the ownership there? What are the projections there? Sometimes you like, you use the bat. Bat projections are higher on certain teams than other, other projection systems. But other people use other projection systems. So I want to know what they're looking at. To me, that's the most important. Let's see. Any last questions before we get out of here? Rob Rodriguez, is it more accurate to calculate stack sum or stack product using the percentage owned on individual players provided in the bat when trying to determine which stacks are over or under owned? Typically, I'm looking at the average. So neither. So not even the stack sum or the stack product. The stack mean. I think that's a better way of putting it. Like the average, so if they have twenty percent, twenty percent, ten percent, ten percent, like the average is fifteen. And looking at, the, I mean, as a toy, I mean, just as a ballpark figure, these are all ball, ballpark figures. I'm not, I'm not putting in and making advanced math formulas. I eyeball everything. I, I utilize concepts. I don't, I don't, I don't seek. To be precise, I never have. Is there a way to be precise? Yes. Is it worth going through all the notion of trying to be as precise as possible? No, I don't think so. I, I'm going to be I'm going to be directionally correct. I'm going to be directionally correct, but not as precise. That I mean, but I that's that's my been my philosophy for anything, not just DFS in general. I don't care about being perfect. I care about being uh, more uh, more right than not, more often for less amount of time and resources. So, like that's the way. Just like I said, like I could, I could, I could learn some Python, right? I've I've a pro. I have a web development background. I I could I could learn some Python. I could make I could make my own model. I could do everything that Cardi does. Can I ever do it as well as what Cardi does? Probably not. And it'll take me at least five years even to get to the point where I'm maybe even close. And that's five years of like 20 hours a week, 40 hours a week doing it. To what? So I could get the same projections that I could just pay $300 for? Does that sound stupid to me? Or maybe I could build better ones, maybe or whatever. How much more accurate do I need to be? Well, here it says, Jose Abreu, 8.67. It's like, but really the most precise is 8.81. It's like, well, how much am I gaining by that? I'm gonna spend hours upon hours a day so I could get a 0.2 difference in my in baseball projections that are already ridiculously variant to begin with? Or do I just need something reasonable enough that's close enough and conceptually be directionally accurate more than often than not? And don't have to spend all that time. <coughs> so that's how I think about DFS. Okay, hit hit the thumbs up button on the way out. The thummy thumbs, we appreciate that here. They, they tell me I, I need to get more thummy thumbs, more thummy thumbs, more subscribey scribes, more notification belly bells. We got the bells right, the notification bell to know when I go live, when this channel goes lives. Uh, MLB grinders live coming up later today with a bunch of people right I never I never look at the schedule before I say who's coming up it's uh, probably probably Dean I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess Dean and, and grant it could be could baby Dean Grant and who Andre oh so Dean's not even on oh you don't even get Dean today oh well, it's a three man okay okay so it's it's Dean grant and Andre uh so you got th- you got three guys. For Grinders Live and then crunch time for premium members. Sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Hit the link in the description for ten dollars off your first month. And uh and I'll see you tomorrow. I mean, there's an eight-game slate today. We didn't even talk about it. What does it matter? Right? Right? Projections are out, or you know, I mean lineups aren't even out. Who knows? Who knows what's going on? We'll talk about it tomorrow for casual Friday, but it's always casual here, right? It's always casual. Me answering your questions here on YouTube every Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.